The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by Odds Crowd, and Odds Crowd has a ton of free fantasy betting contests, including a $2,000 season-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Just download their app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com/odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com/odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure that you subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And we're also brought to you in part by Riffer. Riffer is your home for many podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Subscribe to our Riffer channel today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Indeed, welcome in. We have got a tremendous edition of the show upcoming. All kinds of nostalgia. Nostalgia to the left, nostalgia to the right, nostalgia on tap because it is the late Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns anniversary week of their fight in 1985, April the 15th of 1985. The standard of short championship fights ever, ever, ever even 35-plus years later, including that opening round. I'm ready to talk a bunch about that and look ahead not only to the news of the week but the fights this weekend. I am merely the somewhat capable host. I have enlisted Al Bernstein, the Hall of Famer, uh, to join me from Showtime Boxing. Al was on the call 36 years ago with the other Al, Al Michaels, the Emmy Award-winning broadcaster. He and Al Michaels had the pay-per-view call. Of course, Barry Tompkins, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Larry Merchant had the HBO replay call. There were two calls of the fight that night, but Al was on the live call on the pay-per-view that went out everywhere. And by the way, was also later replayed that weekend on ABC TV because they paid millions for the replay on network TV. So Al Bernstein will relive Hagler, Hitman Hearns with us. Uh, and I look forward to talking with him. Great job as the Showtime analyst. I'm going to talk to him, too, about doing fights in the Showtime bubble in the Mohegan Sun and how different that is. I mean, you talk about from, from one thing to the other. Uh, I, I don't know the comparisons. You could say like night and day. You can say McDonald's uh, hamburger versus, uh, you know, like a, uh, a Fleming's uh, fine steak at the steakhouse, free plug. You, you could say my golf game compared to Tiger Woods. There's a lot of things that you could say. Uh, when, when you start talking about standards of, of certain things here and what lives up to what, but my goodness, that, that first round uh, is phenomenal. There's nothing like Al Bernstein uh, talking about it with us, but he's been doing the fights, I know what I meant to say, in the bubble where there's no crowd. So that's like the complete opposite of what Hagler Hearns was with the crowd roaring. So many media members continue to recount 35 minutes later, they were all standing up like the crowd in that first, the media 
was standing up in that first round for Hagler and Hearns. So it has been different to do fights in the bubble. Al's going to talk about that. And Al is on his way to Atlanta. At the time we're debuting the podcast, he's already there uh, for this thriller fight card that has YouTuber, and can I say it on the podcast, failed actor Jake Paul in the ring battling Ben Askren, a former U.S. amateur wrestling champion, a former MMA guy. They are big in the social media influencer world. They're fighting each other in the main event. I'm more interested, and I say this to Al even, and you'll hear this in the interview, Regis Progre is uh, on the co-feature fight, the junior lightweight contender. So Al's going to talk about those fights uh, and the fight card that he's got this weekend as well. Now, typically, Marquise Johns is with me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. And by the way, however you found us through a social media link, Sports Gambling Podcast, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, their network of shows, they do a great job helping promote us. However you found this show, subscribe to it. We come your way each and every week. We do our best to be here every week in the preview mode, Friday leading into Saturday, leading into the weekend of fights. And Marquise is usually here with me. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You read us on the site, bigfightweekend.com. You hear us on the podcast. Marquise is away. Marquise on a work assignment in Denver. No, he is not trying out for quarterback for the Broncos. Uh, I'm not sure what else Marquise is up to. He will be back soon on the podcast. So in a little bit, Carlos Toro, we keep putting up the bat signal and Carlos keeps answering. Carlos Toro does a fantastic job covering the fight game. You need to read him more and hear him more. He will be on the Big Fight Weekend podcast from carlostoromedia.com, his YouTube channel. Great insight, great interviews with fighters, analysis. So Carlos will stand in for Marquise because we've got a lot to talk about, including the fight cards uh, from South Florida with Demetrius Andrade in action, defending his WBO middleweight championship, the PBC on Fox show that is in Los Angeles, and obviously uh, this Triller fight card that is in Atlanta, fights all over uh, the U.S. of A. So Carlos will be here in a little bit. All right, so we've got the table set. Again, the Hall of Famer, Al Bernstein, with me straight ahead. Carlos Toro coming a little bit later on with News of the Week. Fight previews, some fight picks, some very interesting fights to maybe take a look at the odds for our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We do all of that right now. Let's get rolling here on the show. It is my pleasure to welcome in once again on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Always love the insight of the Hall of Famer from Showtime Boxing and also on the Triller apps called this weekend of their fight card, including Jake Paul and Ben Askren in the main event at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Al Bernstein back with us uh, here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I always say this to you. I have been a fan of yours. You you helped introduce me into boxing 40-plus years ago. This is It is always a thrill to get to say hello and welcome, Al Bernstein. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been 40 years, but 1980 when the, the ESPN show started was, uh, was the beginning of everything, so I'm glad I was part of that introduction. Yeah, you and Sal Marciano, good night, sweet prince, uh, in my childhood. Oh, yeah. I still remember all of that. Uh, speaking of good night, sweet prince, you see what I did there with the segue? Jerron uh -huh. Ennis, Boots Ennis, another impressive showing. You were on the call with Mauro Ranallo and company this past weekend as the unbeaten Philly welterweight won again over a veteran, Sergey Lipinets, a former world champ in his own right in the uh, junior welterweight division. But Ennis took him apart. Al, tell me more about what you saw and Ennis's future, if you would. 
Well, that was supposed to be a step-up fight for Jaron Boutsenis uh, taking on Sergey Lipinets, who had been a, uh, uh, you know, has been a welterweight for several fights, even though he moved up from 140 pounds. Not a big welterweight, but still a top 10 welterweight. Uh, and Ennis just fought brilliantly and uh, made it a, a very non-competitive match in which he, you know, was very exciting, though, in his own right. Uh, knocked down Lipinets earlier and then stopped him uh, in the sixth round, I believe, and uh, showed, you know, the power, the hand speed, uh, switching from lefty to righty, doing all the things that uh, Boots has done heretofore and doing it against a, a better fighter. Certainly speaking of better fighters, we're looking for him to get in there with a championship caliber contender, like what he fought last time, if not a championship fight. And obviously with premier boxing champions, you've got Errol Spence, who's the unified champ, but you've got guys like Sean Porter, Keith Thurman. We're wondering when he's going to fight again, a Jamal Shango James, a lot of different welterweights and a lot of different options. I think it's a very intriguing welterweight division, especially with the PBC fighters out. Yeah, it is. You know, um, Spence is likely to fight Jordanus Ugas, who has another version of the welterweight uh, title. So it's unlikely that Ennis would immediately get a world title shot, which probably isn't going to happen. But you mentioned Jamal James, who has a secondary title in the WBA. And why not? Of course, I think they've got four champions. Because <laughs> after all, aren't there four worlds? So you can have four world champions. Uh, and Jamal James would be an interesting fight for sure. Uh, I would love to fight somebody like Keith Thurman coming back after a long layoff or even Sean Porter. I don't know if those are likely to happen his next time out of the box. I think we're more likely to see him against somebody like Jamal James, Kustil Clayton, who beat, who um, had a draw with uh, Sergey Lipinets, so he could easily have gotten the decision. Um, he would be somebody that, that he could fight. So, uh, there are options in the uh, welterweight division for Ennis. I know this much. He does not want to take a step backward. He wants to fight someone better than Sergei Lipinets, or at least as highly thought of or more highly thought of. And, uh, you know, that leaves some of those names I talked about and maybe some others if they could find them. All right. We'll find out what happens with Boots Ennis. All right. One more, because I'm just curious. You have broadcasted all over the world, not only in Las Vegas with boxing, but I haven't had a chance to, to ask this, and I just wonder this. It has definitely been different to go to the Mohegan Sun Casino over and over again, go into what you guys have dubbed the fight sphere, into their right. bubble, and there's no crowd there, etc. You've gotten more accustomed to it, but what has this been like when, it, when you're used to packed arena, packed stadium, huge environment, and it's different? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a different viewing experience for people, too, uh, even on television, except I would liken it to everything that's happened in sports, NBA, hockey, baseball, what every sport I personally think has evolved pretty well without fans in terms of being a TV product. Uh, most of the sportscasters have been able to function properly, uh, generating the excitement from the event, not so much from the crowd. Uh, the players, and in this case, the boxers, have all performed at the highest level. Um, they haven't seen any decline from them. And for me, this is going to sound weird, but I literally 
call about 95% of the match from the monitor that's in front of me, believe it or not. So I'm enclosed in that world. And even without the fans and whatever, that world is where I, where I exist. So yes, we would all like to see fans. And many times the excitement of the fans informs your broadcast. But, you know, we've been able to, as you say, um, kind of get past it. Now, I believe that moving forward, we're not going to be at the Mohegan Sun uh, again. And we will be at sites that will allow some fans to come there. So we will be edging out of that. Well, and you were obviously on the call for the Gervonta Davis dramatic uppercut one punch knockout yeah, with Leo Santa Cruz. And there was a huge one. environment there. Uh, relative at the Alamo Dome. And then this weekend, you're you're going to be on the call on Triller, a different broadcast outlet for their fight card at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the home of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, as well as other entities that play there or have their events there. And there will be some limited fans, I believe, that will be there and will be part of that. Let's get right into that. I mean, obviously, the headlining fight, here we are in 2021, is a yeah. former actor, YouTube star against a former amateur wrestling champion who's an MMA guy. So you're having to study up on those guys. But Regis Prograce is somebody, if you're a boxing fan too, that's in the co-feature. And I know you're looking forward to broadcasting this, whatever's going to happen in Atlanta. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating event. You know, I... I it, Recently, I had Snoop Dogg on my show, Albertine Unplugged, which is a TV show and a podcast, and it was fun. You know, we had a good time. Uh, and when you think of Snoop Dogg, I know you think of me immediately. As uh, exactly, I, I, I'm thinking of all the things that Al Al has probably done in his career. The last thing you would have imagined, I've got Snoop Dogg on the show, and he's breaking down the boxing with me because he's on the call. That's that's probably not up there, but it happened. Welcome yeah, to 2021. Exactly. So. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it's, uh, it, it was, it was intriguing, you know, to be, to be sure. That's probably him on the phone right now. It's calling <laughs> it's okay. and uh, checking in because he knows I'm doing your podcast and he's very excited that I'm doing yes. it. So that'll, that'll go away. Um, but, um, it, you know, it, it's going to be an intriguing overall event. We're going to have some interesting people on the broadcast. Uh, Snoop was one of them, uh, and and others as well and we have this hybrid boxing like ben Askren and jake paul uh frank Mir, the former uh, mma heavyweight champions uh, facing steve cunningham a former cruiserweight champion in boxing um they've got a colombian rapper taking on joe fournier who was a professional boxer but got known as a restaurateur in a uh in a uh, nightclub owner or whatever, uh, though he is a has was a professional boxer. So it's a mishmash of a bunch of different things, and you have all the music that they're going to be putting in to the to the format as well. The one part that's that you highlighted that is a uh, a regular boxing match featuring Regis Progre, um, one of the best 140 pounders in the world against Ivan Redcatch, who's a very good fighter, hasn't quite gotten there to a world championship. He's been a contender in a couple different weight classes. This is his, his, he's need to win desperately in this fight uh, to stay as a, as a contender. And Regis Progre wants to get back to the, to winning a world championship. Uh, he's only had one loss in his whole, his career against Josh Taylor. That was a close loss that could have gone his way. Uh, so that fight should be, should be pretty interesting. And I'm, listen, I, I'm along for the ride. I think it's going to be an intriguing night of boxing. I'll do my part. And we'll see how it plays out. 
Yes, and, and there will definitely be no shortage of personalities and entertainment, and Al included on that, as Al Bernstein is with us uh, here for a few more moments on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. All right, so all of that being said, I have been looking forward to this for several days when I was able to line up, hey, can Al talk to me this week? I cannot believe you are not old. I cannot believe it's been 36 years, Al yeah. Bernstein, Marvin Hagler, Thomas Hearns. We're on the anniversary week. Uh, when you reflect, love these questions, what comes to mind first for you being on the call on such an epic world middleweight title fight? Yeah, that was, you know, I mean, 1985, I was only five years into my broadcast career. I had done one major pay-per-view, uh, which was Hagler, uh, Hagler Duran, and that was big. But this event kind of eclipsed that in a lot of different ways. Uh, and so for me, it was a, a big moment. And my broadcast mates on that broadcast were Al Michaels and Kurt Gowdy. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun to work with those guys, of course. And so this was, you know, a big event. And uh, the, the, the excitement and the, the, at that outdoor venue at Caesars Palace where these stole the fights, uh, was palpable that night. And I, when they did their walk-ins, I, I did something that I now do on a regular basis. I took my headphones off just to hear, and you were talking about the influence of crowds, to hear and look around and drink in that moment. Because I said, you know what, this is a special moment that uh, if I relive something like it, I'm really lucky, but I may not get anything just quite like this. And I really did that to get the feeling of the moment. Um, and it was an extraordinary night, obviously. The boxing in the ring was amazing. And what made that especially great, I mean, it was the first round, of course, was madness. And we said at the end of the round, maybe the best round in middleweight history. Uh, and then, you know, it only lasted two and a half rounds. But what made that really special also was the importance of the fight. And the fact that these two men had just unequivocally gone to war with each other. And it was, you know, extraordinary. And Gary Shandling, who I got to be very good friends with, uh, unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, told me that, you know, he, he's, he was opening for Joan Rivers that night at Caesars. And he's a huge boxing fan. And he came over and he said, I, I only could stay for three rounds. <laughs> so this fight was perfect <laughs> i only had three rounds to be there and it fit right in uh, uh but uh it was yeah it was pretty extraordinary night you gave me a lot of meat on a bone love gary shandling the late gary, gary shandling uh for that uh and that first round uh again is talked about and scrutinized so much al michaels right on it not known as a boxing announcer although he had done some on abc's wide world of sports yeah. but so well, that on was it when he was getting call. ready to, yeah he had done a few and he was getting they were getting ready to uh to have him be the regular boxing guy yeah and and he's on it and you're on it i wonder fun one how many times would you guesstimate that you have watched that whole fight or that first round is it now 40 times is it now a hundred times how many times have you i've i've easily watched it 50 times especially yeah. the first round what would you say that's a good question for a variety of reasons i've had to look back on it uh, sometimes you just do it for the heck of it but i 
sometimes you're, you need to look back on it for various things at anniversaries or if you're, if I'm doing a commentary for uh, about it or something, I'm sure I've looked at it 30 or 40 times. Uh, I, I'm sure of that. Uh, and, um, and especially that first round, but probably the, the whole fight. And are uh, you still amazed? Nobody went down with all of those huge right. punches in the first round. Nobody went down on a knee. Nobody went down as they belted each other. I'm still amazed. Uh, but you're obviously the expert and the Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's it was staggering because Marvin was hurt in the first 20 seconds of the round with a huge right hand that injured Tommy Ernst's hand, which was unfortunate for him. But uh, although Tommy Ernst still threw that punch throughout the, the fight. Um, and then, you know, as the round went on, Hagler was able to stun Tommy Ernst, especially toward the end of the round. Um and the fact that neither of them were, I mean, Marvin Hagler had one of the greatest chins in the history of boxing. Uh, and that was a part of what made him a special. He was a very great fighter, of course, but part of what made that was the fact that he was just able to absorb big punches when he fought John the Beast from Gabi, who was a murderous puncher. He took punches from him. It was the fight, uh, you know, after, right after that, I believe. I mean, he, you know, so hurting time, uh, uh, Marvin Hagler was almost impossible. What a night, what a fight. And we reminisce about all of this with Al Bernstein for a few more moments on the big fight weekend podcast that dovetails right into showtime's announcement this week about the four part docuseries that will be coming in June. I have to wait till June. I want to see it now. I got to wait till June for the Kings, Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hagler, um, I, I know they probably have come to you to, to be part of some of this, at least have some insight. I cannot wait, Al, to see this because we got to live it. A lot of the younger fans didn't get to live it. We got to live it. I want to relive it with the, with the Four Kings uh, in 1980 to 1990, them fighting each other all the time. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, there have been books written and there have been some documentaries, but I, this is one, that topic of the Four Kings Honestly, there's so much ground to cover and so many side stories that I don't, I'm not bored with reliving it. And I'm not bored with people retelling the story or, or, or adding some nuances to it. Uh, and, and I think this documentary, which I'm told by my uh, colleagues and superiors at Showtime is really good. Um, it was done by an outside, uh, you know, pub, um, promo, a production company. Uh, and I, I'm anxious to see it, you know, and I love that they've done justice to it by doing it in multiple parts, because to just do a one hour show or even a two hour show, I don't think it does justice to the idea of those four men. And each of them had such a remarkable career. And there were so many things that led up to each of them fighting each other uh, that it was extraordinary. And, you know, I, uh, I was ex very fortunate to be kind of at the center of all of that because I broadcast many of the fights between those men and knew them all extremely well. Um, and back then, you know, uh, your, your relationship to, 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 uh, to people in, in, in terms of how everything was viewed was much less antiseptic than it is now there wasn't as much of a barrier between the people covering these athletes and the athletes themselves. I mean, I always wanted to put a barrier there because you want to be objective, but you know, we many's the night in Las Vegas in the 1980s and everything went on in the 1980s. 
we were at Botany's, this club in Las Vegas, which was the place to go. And you'd see Marvin Hagler with his group in one corner, Tommy Hearns with his group in the other, and Ray Leonard with his group in the other. And it would be on some fight weekend that maybe didn't involve all of them or involved one of the four kings and the other three would be there. And you would see this, you know, uh, amazing scene of these guys being in a social setting and all the people that were acolytes of theirs, all their, the people that, you know, uh, were part of their entourage. And uh, it was a fascinating time on every level. This man is fascinating. I know he's got to go. We got to go as well. Love Al Bernstein on Showtime's call, also on the Triller app and their call this weekend of their fight card in Atlanta. Again, Jake Paul and Ben Askren are the main event. Uh, check into that through Triller, their app, triller.com to find out more. Al, thank you. What a treat to reminisce with you about all of this. I am always grateful that you're willing to come on and spend time with us. Good luck with your own Al Bernstein Unplugged podcast as well. We plug away there. Thank you for the time with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Happy to be with you. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you in part by BetterThan.Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what DGENs only care about, sports betting. BetterThan.Vegas is running a free bracket-style capper contest with a chance to win $5,500. Just go to BetterThan.Vegas and don't forget to let them know that SGP sent you. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV also and subscribe to the Better Than Vegas, Better Than Dot Vegas page. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV for Better Than Dot Vegas. And we're brought to you in part by the Sports Gambling Podcast now being on Riffer. And Riffer is your home to many episodes and free picks from the SGPN crew. If you don't have time to listen to an entire episode, Riffer is a perfect quick fix. Make sure you subscribe to the SGPN page by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. Don't have to listen to the whole episode. Riffer is there. Again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. And we are back in. How cool was it to have Al Bernstein from Showtime? And also, he'll be on the call on the Triller app. Of course, they've done the new deal with Fight TV. However you find the call of the fight, he'll be the analyst. As he mentioned, with Snoop Dogg and some other musicians. And goodness gracious, what all they have there. Jake Paul uh, against Ben Askren is the main event for Saturday night in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the home of the Atlanta Falcons. Again, Regis Prograce is in the co-feature, the former uh, junior uh, welterweight world champion in the co-feature fight at 140 pounds. So we're interested in that card. We've got fights in Los Angeles, PBC on Fox. We've got a world title fight Saturday night from Matchroom Boxing uh, in South Florida at the Hard Rock Casino. 
uh, who better to help me talk and digest and dissect all of this? As I mentioned, Marquise Johns at the beginning of the podcast, not with us. Marquise is okay. He's on a work assignment. He's gone. He's in the mile high city of Denver, last known whereabouts on social media, uh, somewhere near a John Elway statue. So who better to help me come in here and talk about all of this than Carlos Toro of Carlos Toro Media uh, coming in as an analyst and help me break all of this down. Good to have you again, sir. Thank you for hopping on the Big Fight Weekend podcast to help keep me straight and help talk the fights. Good to have you. Hey, always fun to talk boxing with you, TJ. And again, sorry that Marquise is not here, but hopefully it doesn't turn into a situation where he becomes a Drew Bledsoe to my Tom Brady and I just take over on a permanent basis. <laughs> Brady went on to many Super Bowls in the Hall of Fame when Bledsoe wasn't able to go after getting hit in the game. Uh, that's very true. Uh, all right, so uh, let's begin with what Al was talking about with Hagler Hearns. This is the 36th anniversary week, the anniversary on Thursday, depending on when they're going to hear us. Epic fight. I know we had you on recently a few weeks ago making mention uh, of this fight. I got to confess to you, before we came on the podcast uh, on this day, I have now watched the first round like three more times just to watch it again. I'm probably up to like 70 times that I have seen the first round. Please weigh in one more time for the audience here on how great that fight was, how great that first round was, that we're still reliving the now late Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. I mean, you talk about that first round. I mean, it's up there with one of the greatest rounds in boxing history. I mean, you talk about that whole fight. It's the greatest short uh, championship fight in, in the history of boxing. And overall, one of the greatest boxing fights in history. It's a, it's a fight that that will forever be etched into both of these guys' legacy. I mean, it, you know when a fight is great, when you kind of turn the fight into like its own, like, word like it's like Hagler Hearns like you know exactly what what that means our Gotti war you know what we're what we're talking about it's right. it's one of those fights where it's it kind of goes beyond boxing itself and it's one of those type of fight where neither of these guys were the same it, these guys took beating after beating in those like <laughs> like those few um, few short rounds, and even as someone who is who was never alive, who wasn't alive when when that fight came around, I'm only 26, but it was a fight that my father would like. There were two fights in from my childhood that he would always talk to me about ad nauseum, almost. Hagler Hearns was one of them, and uh, Wilfredo Benitez beating Antonio Cervantes at only 18 years old. But this is kind of how significant it is that like a guy like me who's never who was never who wasn't around or alive to watch it to all kind of know that fight front and back, just the, that, that first round was just unbelievable where those guys lesser fighter probably had been dropped like four or five times each. And not only were those guys <laughs> not drop and not, not drop, they didn't even look like they got hurt. Like that's yeah. how amazing those two guys' chin and, and toughness. Hagler, Hagler in particular took that yes. lethal right hand over and over again. And as Al mentioned, Tommy Hearns allegedly broke the hand right off the bat in that first round and continued to throw it uh, on the on the head of Marvin Hagler. Uh, but how he took one big right after another from Hearns. I mean, we all we all know we're boxing fans for the most part. They're listening to this hardcore boxing fans. Go go back and watch that Thomas Hearns right hand in championship fight after champ. Ask Roberto Duran 
40 years later about Thomas Hearns's right hand. Ask Ray Leonard, who got hit hard with that right hand and got dropped in their second fight with that right hand, and anybody else that Hearns fought along the way when he won the title from Pepino Cuevas of Mexico, uh, very famously with a second-round knockout. Uh, he, he had he had Pepino uh, tap dancing like a disco with a right hand bomb and dropped him face first. You just did not withstand that right hand. But Marvin Hagler did um, that night. And you're absolutely right. Everybody that is a sports fan. And I'm going to forgive you again for saying that you're only 26 years old. I'll forgive you for that. <laughs> But well, everybody well, well, the, time, is, well, the last time I was here, I was only 25. So that's good. So you're aging. So, uh, <laughs> the, but the sports fans that are in their 40s, that are in their 50s, sports fans, notice I said, you only have to say, as you said, Hagler Hearns. They know everything about it. That's how it transcended boxing, um, to your point. And, uh, I, you know, as I said back at the beginning, all the reminiscing uh, that's going on from media members that are weighing in, that they were there that night, and media, media, Carlos, standing up like the fans in that first round. And I loved last week on this podcast, on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, Brian Dugan, the author from Northern Ireland. Again, we, we go all over the place. So we talked to Brian. He's in the UK. He's written the uh, definitive book on Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler, the super fight, which was two years after Hagler Hearns. But Brian Dugan's line from his colleagues in the British media was one of them was saying, and I'll do the Northern Irish accent as best I can. What's happened to the timekeeper? What's happened? His, something is wrong. This round seems like it is seven minutes long, Brian told us. He's right. You get caught up in watching that first round again, Carlos Toro, and you you realize this, as Barry Tompkins exclaims on the uh, the replay call on HBO, this is still the first round. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the media standing up like – that, that may be the, the one time ever that media is allowed to break the cardinal sin of like – cheering in the press box because you always hear <laughs> you always hear in journalism school don't cheer uh, never cheer right. in the press box that that first round i would say that's the only time ever you are allowed to break that rule well and uh, i i read an account because showtime obviously has the documentary coming and al bernstein talked about the documentary coming cannot wait for june for duran leonard Hagler, hearns all being featured in a four-part documentary and they're interviewing some media members for that. And Al was talking about that. One of the media members uh, in the Showtime press release was the Associated uh, Press reporter whose job it was to kind of supplement. Um, Ed Schuyler is his name. Ed Schuyler was the longtime 40-year writer for the AP uh, in the United States and even worldwide on the wire service uh, for anything boxing. Ed Schuyler was there for, for Cassius Clay beating Sonny Liston. He was there moving forward for Ali Frazier, was there rumble in the jungle, move forward to any big fight in the 80s uh, and even into the early 90s. Ed Schuyler was there. So this guy was the uh, assistant to Ed Schuyler, essentially. And this is one of the first championship fights he was ever at. And wow. he said, we were both standing up to recount this. And I looked at Ed Schuyler and Ed Schuyler's mouth was open and he looked back at me and he said, son, you have got to understand that's one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. So for that guy, for Ed Schuyler to say that about that first round is pretty incredible uh, with all the different uh, fights that he witnessed. And I, I know you joined me. I cannot wait for the documentary. We're reliving mm -hmm. all these anniversaries. I can't wait for that four part documentary on Showtime, Carlos, that they announced earlier this week. 
It's going to be awesome. I mean, Showtime always knocks that out of the park when it comes to these types of documentaries, but this one in particular, I'm really excited about. Again, a four-parter where they're going to go over the careers of, of Duran, Leonard, Hagler, Hearns. And the great thing, again, is they all were willing to fight each other over and over and over again because there were rematches uh, in the case of, uh, of Duran and Leonard. Three fights, as a matter of fact. Rematches for Hearns and Leonard. Obviously, uh, Duran was felled by the one-punch bomb by Hearns. They never fought again. Hagler fought Duran once. Hagler fought Leonard once, but they're all intertwined, and I can't wait uh, to see that. All right, again, Carlos Toro is here with me. Uh, give me a little bit on the news of the week. I, I wrote about Canelo Alvarez. We're about three, four weeks out now from his scheduled title defense with Billy Joe Saunders of England, AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas, the home of the Dallas Cowboys. We wrote up on BigFightWeekend.com uh, that Canelo basically said, I've got to be patient. I can't necessarily go for the, for the spectacular knockout. Uh, he's a very experienced fighter. He's, he's going to pick his spot on where he can maybe get it against uh, Saunders. Interesting, they've revealed they've sold over 60,000 tickets for whatever it's worth at AT&T Stadium. So this is the first big mega crowd event that we're looking for since the COVID-19 pandemic. Carlos, what are your thoughts here on what uh, Alvarez has been talking about this week and the buildup to the fight real quick? Well, the interesting about, thing about this fight is that can, in a lot of ways, Canelo is right. The, he can't approach Billy Joe Santos the same way he, he approached Afni Hildrim. And in, in some regards, some of his past fights, like including a, a, a Sergei Kovalev, where he where Canelo eventually knocked out a Sergei Kovalev. And the thing about Saunders is he is a bit of an enigma when it comes to his fights. I mean, he, he the highs, obviously, the, the Andy Lee victory and the impressive outing is David Lemieux. But one thing about Saunders I've noticed over the years is that he's a fighter who, you know, on paper at its best, he is one of the best boxers in the super middleweight division. But the problem here is that at times he has a habit, a horrible habit of, play, of fighting up and fighting down to his competition. And you talk about some of it, it, it you know, some of his opponents that he's had uh, – you know, as of late, or really throughout his world title run, even going back to his middleweight title run from Arthur Akavov, you know, to Willie Monroe Jr. didn't look that great in them. And so I think we're going to get a very good version of Billy Joe Saunders. And I think he is a the type of boxer that can give Canelo a lot of problems. He's a slick fighter, very fundamentally sound. Not necessarily a great puncher, but you don't exactly need to be a great puncher to beat Canelo Alvarez. Now, you can make the argument that at this point of, of Canelo's career and his you know, notoriety, you're going to need a knockout to beat Canelo Alvarez. But in a perfect world where you can outbox Canelo Alvarez and win a decision, Billy Joe Saunders at his best is capable of, of doing it at times, my question is, can he do it for 12 rounds? And at this point, I, I still have yet to see, you know, Billy Joe Saunders really showcase that level of expertise. I know he did against David Lemieux, but at that point, David Lemieux was, he was a guy that was struggling to be at, at, at 160, struggling to make weight. And he wasn't the type of fighter, nowhere near close, as good as Canelo Alvarez. So there you go. it's really more of a question of what kind of Billy Joe Saunders are we going to see? If we're going to see the one that we saw against David Lemieux, he could stand a chance. But if we see any other version of Billy Joe Saunders, I don't see how, how, Bill, how this is even a competitive fight. 
And again, and again, we'll talk a, a little more in the analysis in the in the week or the couple of weeks leading up to the fight on how Canelo may or may not go about it. But clearly, this is one of the biggest stars in the sport. It's mm -hmm. great for the sport. Carlos, you know this, that he's going to be back in the ring for a third time in five months. Mm -hmm. uh, just going back to December when he fought Callum Smith. You mentioned the Yildirim fight was February. Now, this is by design, right back in May, because he is getting paid incentive-wise off of new subscribers for DAZN and the live gate they were hoping to have, which they got in Miami, which they now got in Texas. So the fact that he's more active, I'm all about it. And this, this may end up being a one-sided, fairly boring fight where Saunders can't do very much with Alvarez, and Alvarez is kind of cautious and kind of outfights him and outboxes him. Then again, Canelo may stomp on the gas. Like three or four rounds in or four or five rounds in, he may just say, hey, I can get to this guy. Let's let's just see. I don't I don't know a lot of people outside of Billy Joe Saunders inner circle that gives him much of a chance of doing anything in this fight when it comes to it. But the the spectacle of it, the amount of people, the attention it will bring to the sport, all of those things are good things. Uh, and so we look forward to that a little bit more. Now, speaking of attention for the sport, Showtime, uh, again, to bring it back to them and to Al Bernstein, they're going to be busy. They're going to be busy now throughout the summer. They rolled out a laundry list of championship fights. Both Charlo brothers, Jamal Charlo, the middleweight title holder for the WBC, unified junior middleweight twin brother, Jamel Charlo, in action in separate fights, separate dates. It won't be a doubleheader like it was on the split pay-per-view back last September. Gervonta Davis in action in a pay-per-view uh, as well, coming in July, several other key fights. So, Carlos, they made this announcement on Thursday. We're taping the podcast headed into Big Fight Weekend. What do you make of the Showtime announcement and all the fights that we're going to see coming down the pike here coming up? Overall, uh, collectively, I love these fights. I loved what Showtime did. I love it when Showtime makes these yes, massive bulk announcements when it comes to their fights they did it last year they did it a few, a few years back prior to the pandemic like uh, you know obviously i can't say for 100 certainty that all of these fights are going to happen at the end of the day obviously the pandemic you know cook the restrictions sometimes with some of these fighter visa issues will uh will Injuries. cause some of these fights to yeah and i think and overall i look at that there's nine main events that were announced i would say Six or seven of them are either really good or great. There's maybe like two of them that I am particularly not a fan of. Don't love David Benavidez versus Jose Uscaragi. Don't necessarily love that main event. And also Jamal Charles versus Juan, uh, Juan Macias Montiel. It's a, on paper, very, very lopsided. It's not a fight that I'm particularly a fan of, but, you know, if I guess to an extent, I guess it's kind of like a stay busy fight for Charlo if he's not getting it. A, a big fight but overall when you look at these some of these main events you, know, you kick off with Luis Neri versus Brandon Figueroa on May 15th phenomenal super bantamweight title fight you got Nordin Bali versus Nonito Donaire which is a fight that you know we almost had last year but it didn't happen and I'm excited that it, they managed to stick around uh, Gervonta David versus Mario Barrios you know it's, it's saying what you will about the title that Barrios has, but I think Barrios physically presents a lot of unique challenges that Gervonta Davis has never faced as far as facing a significantly taller fighter uh, throughout his career. And then you got other guys like John Ruel Casimero, Chris Colbert, David Benavides, Jermel Charlo, Stephen Fulton Jr. in September. It's a really good slate of fights, and 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 I and you, we can like go like an hour just breaking mm -hmm. down all of these fights, you know, date by date. But 
overall, I would say this is another really, really good schedule of fight that Showtime has brought out. They are in for a great 2021. You're hearing the voice there of Carlos Toro Media. Uh, again, follow him at Carlos Toro Media. Find his YouTube page. Find his website under the same name. Love his insight uh, that he's giving us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. He's hanging out with me here. Again, Marquise Johns will be back next week, our senior writer off BigFightWeekend.com. Marquise away. So Carlos in his stead doing a great job. And again, that uh, Charlo battle with Brian Castaño, which will be coming also in late June, if I have the date correct, um, if not July, uh, July 17th, Ju- thank you for the correction. This is why you're here. Keep me straight. That one is, <laughs> Which is a phenomenal fight for the undisputed 154 pound title because Charlo has three of them uh, and Castaño has the WBO one. So that, that one, very intriguing. Gervonta Davis, once again, legal trouble charged in a hit and run accident with felonies for leaving the scene of an accident with injuries in Baltimore just days after the win over Leo Santa Cruz. He's got those charges hanging over his head. He's got domestic violence charges hanging over his head from a year ago in Miami with an estranged girlfriend at a public event. So a lot of trouble out of the ring, but they're still sticking with Gervonta Davis in the ring as a pay-per-view star. So it's, it's interesting, all these things that they've announced here uh, from Showtime. And, and credit to them, uh, because, again, there had been a lot of talk that Showtime was somehow going to go away. They have survived without fans. As, as uh, Al was telling us, things are going to loosen up. Some of the sites are going to be announced in coming weeks, obviously, of where these fights will be taking place. I'd be shocked if one or both of the Charlo fights aren't in Houston, Texas, their hometown. One of them is probably going to be there. And maybe, this is me speculating, maybe, Carlos, it's the Castaño fight is in Houston where he would be the natural draw. Um, one of them's probably in Los Angeles as, as part of Fox and, and Showtime and what they want to do. I don't know. We'll see. Will the Davis fight be in Atlanta where they fought before? Will it maybe be in Los Angeles? Will it maybe be in Las Vegas where they're trying to have fans back because that's in July? I don't know. We'll see. But this, this again, is very encouraging to have showtime with all those announcements. All right. Few moments left here with Carlos, as we customarily do, sir, uh, with Marquise, we go over the fights over the weekend and we kind of look at it also from a betting perspective. So we've got the WBO middleweight championship fight coming Saturday night. It's the headlining fight of the matchroom show in South Florida, about four hours to the South of where I am in the Tampa Bay area, hard rock casino, Hollywood, Florida, Demetrius Andrade puts his, Perfect record on the line as the WBO 160-pound champion against Liam Williams. Andrade, a minus 400 here in this one. Um, And again, this is a guy that wants bigger names, bigger fights, whether it's Canelo at super middleweight, uh, whether he wants a shot maybe at one of the the Charlos or something else at at 160. Uh, What about this here? Andrade is the significant favorite, minus 400 here. What about this fight, Carlos? I think from from when you're looking at a standpoint of Liam Williams, I think Liam Williams is a solid, solid fighter coming out of the UK, but it's still it's still not necessarily a true world class opponent for Dimitri Andrade. I mean, I said this about Billy Joe Saunders, and to an extent, it kind of also you know applies to Demetrius Andrade, where he doesn't necessarily fight at a hundred percent every single time out. At times, he kind of 
has a bit of a lull and just cruises to these long decision victories. I mean, you saw that Arthur Akbar, Master Seleski, both of those fights went very, very long. And if we're being honest, those were fights that Andre, if he really, really tried, he probably would have won those fights in three, four rounds each. I think Williams is going to give him a little bit more trouble than, say, a Luke Keeler or a Masir Suleski or a Walter Kaltendakwa. And he's been a guy who has looked really, really good at times ever since the, the two fights against Liam Smith back in 154. I think Liam Williams has done very well since moving up to 160, but I think this is a fight where we'll see Andre dominate at times and outbox his way into maybe probably going to be another long decision. Andre has not shown uh, that he can, you know, finish off guys real quickly. And the knock is exactly what you were alluding to in being kind. Not enough big, exciting punches, knockdowns, sizzle to sell him. <laughs> yeah, you can do enough to win by using your skill and staying away. But how many people care if it's not spectacular enough over and over again? So we'll see what mm -hmm. happens with that fight. That one uh, is the main event. The PBC on Fox show. Again, they kind of scrambled to slap something together uh, here uh, for the month of April to fulfill their obligation, obviously, with Fox. That show is coming from Los Angeles without fans on Saturday night and has Tony Harrison uh, in the main event. Bryant Perella, if I have that correct, is the opponent here. Harrison is the former WBC 154-pound champ. He uh, defeated Jermel Charlo back about a year and a half ago. Charlo then beat him in the rematch in December of 2019 um, and, uh, and took the title back from him. So super bad, as he's known. We'll step back into the ring here against Bryant Perella. This will be the first time that he fights, uh, sadly, without his father, uh, who passed away due to COVID-19 complications back last fall. So Tony Harrison has obviously dealt with that. But now back in the ring, this is the main event, PBC on Fox. Give me, give me a quick thought here. Harrison is the overwhelming uh, favorite here, Carlos, um, in this one at minus 500 against Brian uh, Perella. Uh, a thought or two, really, uh, here. This is on network TV on Fox, on Big Fox Sports over the air. What about it? I think this fight is, uh, I think on paper, I think it's actually closer, in my opinion, than what the odds seem to indicate. I think Brian Perella is a guy who has certainly, based on what when I've spoken to him, he has certainly learned a lot working with Roy Jones Jr. And I think he's someone who with a lot to prove, especially with the way his fight against Abel Ramos ended where he got, where he was winning and on his way to winning and they got stopped at, at the buzzer at the end. I think this will be a more rejuvenated, a and I think a fresher version of Brian Perella, more motivated version. I think with Tony Harrison, you got to wonder, you know, how long the ring rust is, how much is it going to affect him? How is he going to look in his first fight after the title loss? There's a little bit more of a question mark with Tony Harrison. I think he's going to win. I think it's going to be a close decision victory, but I wouldn't sleep. I, I would not sleep on Brian Perella. I think that he will give Tony Harrison some trouble, especially with uh, his aggression at times. I think that's going to be something Tony Harrison might struggle a little bit. All right. And again, the co-feature, there's a super lightweight, unbeaten Omar Juarez out of Brownsville, Texas, getting the biggest step up in competition. Uh, what is it? Elias Arajo, if I have that correct. Uh, Juarez is a minus 1,000 uh, in this one, a 10 to 1 favorite. Again, a 10 and 0 prospect getting the biggest fight 
of his young career. Again, he gets a ton of exposure here being on on Fox in the co-feature fight. So we'll see how long that one goes. And maybe Arajo, the veteran, pushes him a little bit. We'll find out. Yeah, and this is a fight where it also kind of got scrambled together at sort of at the last second because Juarez came in as a as a late replacement opponent. It's a good it's a good step up fight for uh, for Omar Juarez, who's going up against uh, Araujo, who who some of you fans may remember uh, fought uh, on Showbox a couple of years ago, and. I think it's a interesting fight among prospects. I think Juarez looked good. He looked damn good last December in beating Raul Chirino in the first round. But we'll see. It's a it's a nice step up fight for for Omar Juarez, and he will certainly. I think he will shine. I can definitely see him scoring a late stoppage victory. But overall, I think we'll definitely see some rounds from Omar Juarez. All right, again, those fights, the premier boxing champions, PBC on Fox show starting nine Eastern time Saturday night over the air there for free. Again, if I didn't articulate it, the Demetrius Andre matchroom show on DAZN on the streaming service Saturday night. And again, we've got a trifecta of fight cards. The Triller app uh, will have once again, uh, YouTube uh, stars, Jake Paul and Ben Askren in the main event. Uh, for what it's worth, Jake Paul is the minus 175 favorite. Askren, again, a former amateur wrestling champion. Um, uh, Carlos Toro, uh, a former MMA fighter. Um, it, it has all. It has already been put out there that uh, it, you know they've got to be careful here with the Georgia Boxing Commission, et cetera. That if there's any shenanigans from Askren trying to do MMA stuff or wrestling moves, uh, that's going to obviously bring repercussions because this is supposed to be a boxing match. It is not being sanctioned as an MMA combat situation. So who knows? And who know? I mean, who knows what Askren looks like as a fighter? Obviously, Jake Paul. Uh, scored the knockout of the former basketball player, Nate Robinson, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> Do you have a thought here on this Triller main event real quick? I, again, I'm more interested in the Regis Progress uh, co-feature, but Paul Askren's going to get a lot of buzz and a lot of attention as we move to Saturday night. What about it? I'll give Jake Paul a, at least this much. He certainly looks like he's kind of taking the boxing a little bit seriously. I don't know what exactly a win against Ben Askren is going to do. Ben Askren's striking was never that good at, at all when he was in MMA. And I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see a, a, a spectacular knockout. We see a, a la Nate Robinson, but I mean, it's to some, it's going to be a dumpster fire, but it's one of those dumpster fires that are, are car crashes where you, you're driving this down the side of the road and you just can't help rubbernecking and just taking a quick peek at it. Just, just because of like how bizarre sure. it, it all looks. Ben Askren, by the way, for our friends at the Sports Gaming Podcast, plus 145. The under-over on the eight-round fight, which is listed as a cruiserweight fight, by the way, the under-over is five and a half rounds. Carlos, are you interested under or over there, going less than six, going more than six for that main event? If I had a better gauge on Jake Paul's power, I probably would have said under, but I mean, I don't know. I, it's hard to really sure. tell what Ben Askren's chin is nowadays, especially since, you know, since we all saw the Jorge Masvidal knee a, a couple of years ago. I'll go say just because the boxing is going to be so sloppy, I don't see, I, I can see this being maybe seven, eight rounds deep. 
All right. And uh, again, for Prograce, he is uh, minus 4,700, by the way, over Ivan Redcatch on the on the odds. Uh, and again, an under over a five and a half rounds at Regis uh, very much would love another shot at Josh Taylor. Taylor's going to fight Jose Ramirez for the undisputed 140 pound title uh, in the coming weeks in May. Uh, Prograce would very much love another shot at Josh Taylor, who he lost a 12 round split decision to back last October, actually October, a year and a half ago. Uh, and so he's looking to look spectacular in this uh, and should probably against Ivan Redcatch, right? In the co-feature in the Triller card in Atlanta Saturday night, real quick, Carlos. Yeah, I mean, this will be a, it, it's it, to an extent, it's kind of a stay busy fight for Regis Progress. Minus 4,700 sounds pretty much right to me. Redcatch has fought a lot of, a lot of really good opponents over the years, but it hasn't really shown that, uh, you know, hasn't had a lot of success in those fights. Regis Progress still arguably, the best 140 pound boxer in the world, even though he doesn't own any of the titles at 140, he's you can still make an argument he's the best in that division. I think we're going to see a similar situation to what we saw when Progress fought Juan Heraldis last year in Texas, where Progress just wastes no time, just completely dominates uh, right, uh, Ivan Redcast. So I think this will be a quick fight. I think that I could see this being four fifth round stoppage in my book. How about that? All right. So, again, there's the three fight cards from Miami to Los Angeles to Atlanta. Uh, we've got all of this action coming this weekend. Looking forward to all of it. Uh, Carlos, tell them again how they find you on social media and more of them need to find you and need to follow you. Tell them more about your site, uh, your coverage with your YouTube channel, with all the interviews you're doing. Please plug away because you've been fantastic with us. Go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media, same name on YouTube, where I've done a ton of interviews, especially over the last month with guys. We spoke with Brian Perella uh, a couple of, uh, last week, I believe, and spoken to a couple of guys who are actually fighting on the Triller undercard, on the Matchroom undercard, even spoke with... Uh, with a uh, with an MMA champion, Adriano Moraes, who knocked out Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson this past week, so lots of stuff there. And CarlosToroMedia.com is where you can find my work. I do a podcast with Fight Game Media's Patreon with the excellent Robert Silva, where we kind of break down the the news of the week in boxing and also discuss. Uh, things from a historical perspective, Fike Media, Patreon. So that's where you can find me, find some of my work there. And of course, you've done a great job with us. Thank you for filling in uh, here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Again, find him at Carlos Toro Media on social media. Give him a follow. He's doing great work. Uh, working along here with us to, to crop up the interest, drum up the interest in the sport. And there's a lot of great uh, action coming, not just this weekend, but in the coming weeks and coming months, obviously, for boxing as we get back rolling. Carlos, thank you. Great job standing in for Marquise Johns. You were definitely Tom Brady-esque on the <laughs> podcast for this weekend. We appreciate it. We'll have you back. Appreciate it, TJ, and looking forward to being here the next time. I love that. My thanks also to the Hall of Famer Al Bernstein with the great breakdown of Hagler Hearns and the upcoming documentaries that they're doing as well on Showtime. Al again on the call as the analyst. God help him with all that's going to be happening on Triller, their app, and that fight card in Atlanta uh, that's going to be taking place on Saturday night. Again, Marquise Johns will be back with me next week. Read the site, bigfightweekend.com. Previews, recaps, as Marquise likes to say, your site for everything past, present, and future. Uh, it's bigfightweekend.com. Follow us at Big Fight Weekend on social media, on Twitter, and on 
Facebook. For now, we're done with the podcast. My thanks to the Sports Gambling Podcast. Their guys, Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, everybody associated with the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. They help promote us. Subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe. It comes automatically to you in the preview mode. For now, we are done. My thanks to Carlos Toro. My thanks to Al Bernstein. I am merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights this weekend. And thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast.